podcast. I'm your host, Toby Morse. Today is my second time ever doing a podcast on tour and in a van. I did with Milo last week. And now I'm about to speak to my friend. I've known this guy since I was fucking 18 years old. So like, what, 33 years? And uh, welcome to the podcast, Mr. Ernie Parada. Hi, Ernie. Hello. How are you doing, Toby? That's pretty good, pretty good math right there. 33 years. You did years. that pretty yeah, quick. I did yeah, that. Yes, I did that. I, I couldn't do that. Um, can I hear you? Can you hear yourself good? Um, I suppose. I I don't really need to. I know what I'm saying. Yeah. There are no well, drums, drums behind me or anything. I, I know I met you in 1987 at the Marble Bar. It was Token Entry and Rollins Band. Um, that was a very, very awesome show. Yes, it for was. Me because I was a massive fan of Token Entry. I got to see I think it was the first time I saw you guys. Do you remember the date? I don't remember the date. I have the flyer still. Why well, you remember the date? It was. I think it was in October. Uh, I think it was in November. Okay. And and I know exactly why I remember this, but I'll tell you later when we get get into that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get into all that, yeah, what I like to do in this podcast is that I'm interviewing people who who had touched my life in a positive way, who inspired me, um, been part of my life as a youngster, moving to New York, and even before that. Um, so I want to take it back to you. Um, where were you born? I was born in Hell's Kitchen, New York City. Oh, shit. I didn't even know that. I thought you were Queens. No. I was born in Manhattan. Okay. I was born in Manhattan and uh, quickly moved to Astoria, Queens. Okay. Right. And so... And I've been there ever since. Ever since. Queens for yeah. life for you. Yeah, Queens for life. Well, until I leave, but <laughs> so far, yeah, Queens for life. So how are you How are you growing up in Queens? Like, how are you... How's your... How was your home? Did you have strict parents? Were you guys religious? What was it like in your home growing up? My house was almost an English as a second language house. I grew up speaking Spanish. Oh, wow. And my father was a military man, and okay. my mom worked in a bank. So um, it, w- it was pretty good. My father, after the, the, he was a military man, but when, when I was born, he was already um, civilian, as they say. And he, yeah. he was the tone regulator at Steinway Pianos. Oh wow! For many, many years, forty something years until he retired. Yeah, that's why. That's why we lived in Astoria because that's where the Steinway family. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, how are you? And how we talked about it briefly outside a minute ago because we're parents and stuff now. But how were you in school? <laughs> did you like school? Were you a misfit? Were you outgoing? Did you play sports? Like, what was your vibes in school? When I was in school, I, when I was like as a, as a little kid, when I went, went through like first through eighth grade I was fine I had no problem I had a lot of friends in school yeah and then when I went to high school I went by that by the time I went into high school by the time I was in seventh grade I was already into punk rock right okay so seventh grade damn. yeah yeah so um I was I was one of those that got into it just as it was starting yeah in the late 70s so um I um went to the high school of art and design okay and um when I was there, I, I met Andy Gortler and, and Sean Taggart and a bunch of other guys that were there. They were really great. Yeah. And uh, New York City at that time, which was 82, okay. 82 or 83, was not the city that it is now. So yeah. that school, there were, you know, you were getting, not, not me personally, not yet at least, but people getting mugged every day, people getting robbed every day. It was, it was a rough place. And go, going to and coming back was even rough. Some yeah. ways weren't the way they are now. So my parents got fed up with that and pulled me out and put me in, in a school called McClancy, okay. which was an all-boys Queens school. See, I'm from Astoria, and Astoria is in Queens, but really, it's, it's an outlier. It's very, very different from Queens. Yeah. Um, Queens is all about, you know, 
it's it's a, it's a very diverse community, but yeah. it's not really, you know, uh, the the wasn't at that time the most creative place. Gotcha. Astoria was. Okay. So um, we weren't even about sports. We didn't care. We played little league when we were little, but once we were in high school, it was like, what band were you into? What band were you in? What instrument do you play? Who do you know? Like that's wow. every last person I knew. So, but how, but how did you get into it in seventh grade? Like, what was your first exposure to it? Like, my first exposure as as a little kid, as a very little kid. Um, I had a friend that lived right across the alley from us, and she had a big brother who used to blast Black Sabbath out of his window. His name was oh, Richie Kremen. And um, I used to hear Paranoid and, 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 and you know, war picks coming out of his window, and he used to blow me away. What is that? So one day <laughs> she took me inside to go meet this guy, and he introduced me to Queen and Sabbath and, and, and Led Zeppelin and all that stuff, and I got into that, and I was totally into that i had one of those little like six inch tape recorders yeah, that, yeah. like for like recording yourself doing a speech <laughs> and i used to buy tapes well i used to get my mom to buy me tapes i used to put them in there one little four inch speaker i used to rock out it's awesome and then i had a big brother i had two brothers and my this my middle brother i'm the youngest of three the okay. middle brother was always the guy that wanted was into things first he still is to this day okay. if there's something new that's getting popular he's it's already old news to him right okay. <laughs> so um he came around with the ramones album look oh, at shit. these guys these are guys are from from uh where are they jamaica or forest hills they're from forest, forest hills, hills yeah. right and and i second i heard that first ramones album it changed everything you know like all the sabbath and the queen took the back seat and this ramones <laughs> album was like the thing yeah and, and then that was the first big change the ramones album and then the, then a couple of months or maybe Maybe a couple of years later, he came and hit me with the first Minor Threat single. Wow. And that was the next change. From that point <laughs> on, it was like, like at that point, I started, you know, now the Ramones are taking the back seat. This is the thing. And then yeah. after that, it was my, uh, Seven Seconds and all that. And, and yeah. I was totally hooked. Total mean, hooked from the very, very beginning. So was your first show, like when you were seventh grade, you saw like your first, what was your first live show? My first show I went to, I played. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was November, ah, oh, jeez. November 12th, 1981, okay. 82. And um, there was this, this place that I've never been because I was in eighth grade, yeah. or ninth grade, right? Um, <clears throat> that I didn't know. But there was a guy down the street that went to junior high school with, with our base, with my friend. We, we were starting to play in a band. We were just goofing around, right? Yeah. Um, but he had a, this club. And uh, who was this guy? His name was Jimmy Drescher. He oh. went to school. To, he went to... Um, uh, 141, which is uh, the middle school. Yeah. And he said, you can come play this club. But before that, like, I remember, like, right around that Ramones time, we were into The Clash. And this is really early, man. Really early. Like, yeah. Bay City Rollers early, right? Wow. And we're walking, we're walking to the school bus, and I see a kid on a bicycle with one of those high sissy bars, and he cuts everybody off <laughs> as they're getting into the bus, <laughs> and he just cuts everybody off. I'm like, whoa, what's that? And as he rides away, he has the clash written on the back of his jacket. Like, who is that kid? It became a Sick. task. Who is that guy that he knows what the clash is? Because <laughs> no one knew what it was. Yeah. And that was Johnny Kahn's, Johnny Feedback from Kraut. Oh, wow. And they were starting this band, Kraut, and then we had to be there every time. Every time we would go to the studio and just watch this and be wow. amazed by it. And then my brother had a band called Peer Pressure. Okay. And that was tantamount to what Fu Manchu is now, you know? Okay. Like, like that. And yeah. would, he used to do block parties. We would go and watch this. We got to do this. Then we started to, you know, practice in Johnny's Garage. Yeah. And that's when Jimmy, this guy, Jimmy Drescher, says, you can go play this, this place. We went. It was A7. 
Wow. And, and you don't have to be there until 2 a.m. because it won't even be open yet. Oh, and everything was empty. There was no, it's not like it is today. It was yeah. empty. There was nothing anywhere. This is the only place with lights on. It was, it was something. And so then, you get, your parents are cool about going to Manhattan and playing shows that young? And Yeah, they were. They were really cool with it. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. This, the very second show we did was, now remember, at this point, I'm, I think I'm about 14 or 15 years wow. old. The very second show we did, no, I couldn't have been because I was a freshman in high school. How old were you when you were a freshman in high school? Freshman high school, I think you... 14 or 15? 14 or 15, yeah, right. yeah. So I was in, in art and design, and, and I met Andy Gortler, who, was, who later went on to do... Um, he later went on to do uh, The Devil Dogs. But he okay. was in Gilligan's Revenge with me. Okay. And he had a friend named Johnny Stiff. Yes. And this guy was old. He had a license. <laughs> right? So he said, he said um, you know, you guys can come play this place in Connecticut, which to me was the other side of the world. Totally. So we begged our parents. They said, okay. And he drove us in Andy's sister's car to go all the way to this place called, this is long before the anthrax, it was called Pogo's. Okay. And when we got there, we walk in and, and I recognize the faces. We're playing with the angry Samoans. Holy shit. I was blown away. I was like blown Samoa away. tour probably, yeah. yeah. So, we, so we had pictures from that. And we're like little kids, man. We're wow. Little kids. Yeah. Little kids. Like your son, way older than we were at that yeah. time. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, um, and uh, yeah, and we were there in Connecticut, and we played and, and came back and, and, and did that for the next, you know, 30-some-odd years, 40 years of my life. Yeah. 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 So that's Gilligan's Revenge, correct? That was Gilligan's Revenge, yeah. And, how, and so how many years did that band last? That band lasted up until, I'm going to say, maybe because the, the, the very first Sick of It All shows, that was 85 or 86, right? So I'm going to say until about 85. 85? Yeah. I would say some, from 81 to 85. So you're in school playing shows yeah, the whole time. And, and I wrote this song called Antidote, which is about that, that very same thing. It's like you go, you, you, you go through your normal life just so on that weekend you can just be yourself. You yeah. know what I mean? And that's what Great it was song. all about. Yeah. You, you, would, it was, you, you wait all week for that one day. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's what it was yeah. about. Cause, and there was always matinees. So you didn't even care who was playing. You would just go to a matinee. Before there was CB's matinees, there was A7 matinees. Yeah. You used to go to those. What do you think your connection was to it? It was so strong at such a young age. I don't know. That's a damn good question. It's it was um it was a creative output. It was it was pretty much what everybody says my age. You don't fit everywhere else. Yeah. And here you can do anything you want. You can you can just be as goofy and as stupid as <laughs> we did. 100%. Right. So you can be as goofy and as stupid <laughs> as you want and and everything's accepted. And and in those days you would go see you know, the mob, then Reagan youth, then eight, even worse. And two, three completely, and, and then crowd. Three mm -hmm. completely, four completely different bands, completely not sharing any DNA at all. Yeah. But they're all part of this scene. Yeah. You know, there was no blueprint yet for what you need to do to be called a hardcore band or a skinhead band exactly. or a straight edge band. You know, it was none of that. Mm -hmm. yet, so. Were you like around peer pressure in school, like drugs and stuff around you? Well, that's an interesting point. This is hard to explain with words because... Okay. Before I got into high school, I sat in my bedroom and put on my little plastic, my white plastic record player that you open up like this with the cover. Mm -hmm. I put on Minor Threat, and there was that song, Stand Up, right? Don't go out without a friend. You might need him in the end. And, I would, and that would stick with me, right? Yeah. And I, I got completely, completely sucked into that world. Okay. To the point where peer pressure to me had no teeth at all. 
there was no convincing me yeah. that that I should be drinking or doing anything like that. It yeah. just there was no convincing me. When I saw somebody doing that, I immediately thought they were the stupid one. Yeah. And and there was no there was no way to pressure me. If you tried that, I'd be laughing at you. Mm. And I went to school where everybody would come and say, I was so drunk, man, I threw up and I would just be rolling my eyes, what a bunch of assholes. And wow. I never, ever, ever felt peer pressure at all. Yeah. Never had that problem because of Ian McKay. I, I just, <laughs> I really listened to that and I bought into it. Connected with you, man. Hook, line, and sinker, and yeah. it stuck with me until this day. You know? Wow. Yeah, man. Totally, totally. So you never tried anything? I never did any drugs. Although, although, I did have a friend, like in like in my thirties, <laughs> in my <laughs> late thirties, that turned me on to this concept of uh, what is it? Uh, microbreweries. Okay. craft beer this guy I know made this beer okay. and that has a thing to it that I kind of like yeah. I'm not a beer guy but I like the idea that this isn't Budweiser this is a friend of yours that makes it yeah. and that turned me on a little bit so I, I, I would taste beers I would I would like oh I want to know what but that didn't start to you dark, 30s yeah it started in my 30s and stopped in my 40s <laughs> yeah it's so it's crazy it's, yeah, yeah I, 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 I've never been drunk in my life I've never yeah. I've never done any drugs I've never done anything yeah, but you never called yourself straight edge either. I like that. It was cool. It's a personal thing. I wouldn't deny it, but yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know. Yeah. I have a. I have a. Uh, an Iro that these guys out here in Long Island gave me this cool um, down tube sticker that's a straight edge on it. It's been on there forever. So if wow. you see my bike, it's a straight edge on it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I. I would never deny it, but I'm not. I'm not the type to go say anything about myself, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know? I respect that. I like that. So in school, you're playing music. And w what was your goals in school? Like, what would you, you want to do when you graduated? I mean, now you're playing this punk rock music. Yeah. It's your escape. You love it. You're going to shows on the weekend. Mm -hmm. You're still doing good in school. Like, what, what was your goals when you graduated? My goal, I, um, then and now, I never had an intention of being a musician full-time. Okay. Never. The, um, playing music for me was something that I did full-time. I toured a lot. I played a lot. I gave it every ounce of my energy, but I never expected to make money for it. Yeah. I never thought it would happen. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I was right. <laughs> it never <laughs> did. Right? But um, I always wanted to do something in visual arts. Always. Yeah. So I, when I went to school, I went to art schools. Yeah. I always wanted to be um, involved in visual art as a designer or as an illustrator or something along those lines. But I was always playing, but I never thought I'm going to make a dime at this. We used to go to gigs. I'm telling you. I don't know if this happened to you, but with Mark. Yeah. We used to go to gigs all the way in Albany. And if it was taking too long for the guy to give us the money, we would just drive away. Are you serious? <laughs> serious? What's it going to be? $40? <laughs> you know, what's the point? What's the point? Like at that marble, yeah. gar that marble bar gig, I yeah. told you. Um, at the end of that gig, here we are playing with Rollins Band. And Rollins band at that time was was a sight to behold. You know, yeah. like they had that trap drum set where he's like inside of like a exoskeleton of steel yeah. stance, and he's up there covered in muscle and sweat, wearing nothing but those bikini shorts. Yeah, man. And he and he goes up and he takes like five minutes to put like five toes comfortably over the edge of the stage, and he starts rocking back and forth, and you're like, what the hell is about to happen? Sure, it's crazy. And then he just explodes, right? Yeah. And how many people were there? 60? Right? So at the end of the night, w when we were unloading, or they were unloading, I was talking to Ian for a long time that night. I remember him having long dreads. Yeah. And, um, and um, the guy said, we got to pay you guys. And he took us outside to the van when we were just about to drive away, and he handed us a, a roll of quarters. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> and Henry, Henry took it happily, said thank you, and smacked them on the side of the van, ripped it, and gave us half. And that was that was it. Wow, man. Next city, right? And that's the that's that's the way we got paid on that day. And no one complained. Yeah. I never expected to make any money. I, I, yeah. I never did. Yeah. You know, like when when we signed with Positive Force, did I ever think that there was gonna be money at? No. Mm-hmm. It was just it was Kevin. Don't yeah. do anything he wants. Yeah. You know. That's amazing in itself. And you did the artwork for the first Token Entry record, which is an amazing album cover. Thank now, you. and I'm sure people listening can look at it. And, but you did a lot of the artwork for all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I did all the artwork for all the records I've ever done. Okay. I think. Yeah, every, all, except the compilations that I didn't know about. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I lo- I, I, what I loved about Token Entry is that you guys had songs about skateboarding, and it wasn't really talked about or sung about in New York City, in that scene, yeah. in the hardcore scene. Well, I was totally hooked because um, I live in Astoria, and, and it's a, not famous anymore, but there was a famous place called The Pyramids. Yeah. And that's right, that's really close to our house. And... um. And um, it's funny how that started. This is, goes back to the sixth grade, maybe. I was still in grammar school when um, I, I had somebody, I had a friend come home with me. His name was Patrick Burns. And he came home to my house for, I don't remember what reason, he saw that I had a skateboard. Yeah. I had a Variflex Eric Grisham model. Sick. One of the, one of the big ones, you Variflex. know? <laughs> and um, everybody else had the little plastic ones you get at the drugstore, and I had this big one. And um, he said, whoa, what's that? And he, and he, and he goes, and I said, hey, that's a skateboard. I, I got that for Christmas. And he goes, did you ever take him to the pyramids? And at this time, I didn't know. I didn't even know those things were called pyramids. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no. And he goes, oh, my brother taught me this. Come with me. So I went up to his apartment, and he came out with a little cryptonics board. Yeah. We went down to the pyramids, and he rode down the, down the sidewalk, went up, kicked, and came back down. And I was like, I, I can't believe what I just saw. <laughs> I kicked her. Do that again. Yeah. And he went up, and he went up the side of the pyramid, Kicked it and came back down. And I stood there trying my best to learn that for the whole day until I can go up and do it front, backside, backside, right? And come back down. I was like, that is the coolest thing in the world. Oh, that's nothing. And they started showing me all these different things that his older brother taught him. Mm -hmm. I went and taught that to Johnny Kahn's. Oh, shit. From Kraut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then from there, it exploded. And then before you knew, we had 60, 70, 80 people there every single weekend. JFA came there. The Faction came there. I don't know how many other bands. Holy they shit. all came here to skate those pyramids. They were in Thrasher a hundred times. They're still all over the internet. Yeah, I remember the pyramids. Yeah, it was yeah. a big deal. Were the Bones Brigade videos a big impact on you too? Um, by the time the Bones Brigade, um, yeah, I wouldn't say a big impact. I was blown yeah. away by them. Yeah. But you know what they did? They just made me say, all right, I'm not doing any of that. I'm not getting that far. <laughs> I uh, Russell Russell Ligley. I don't know if you ever seen him. Right, yeah, skateboard. He's see, insane. Yeah. Right, yeah. so he used to come to um, Astoria all the time. I played the drums for them for a little while too. Okay, and um, he taught me how to do an invert. So you go to the top of the board. You got to go to the top of the pyramid. You put your hand down, and you you ollie up while your hand is on the bottom, and you spin around in a half circle, come back down. So I tried that until I broke my ankle. Oh and then, shit! And then I broke my ankle. And and on that the couple weeks after I broke my ankle, with the cast. I played in Thompson Square Park with the Beastie Boys. Holy shit! I couldn't I couldn't play the hi hat. I had to play it without the hi hat because I was wow. Yeah, crazy. What That's how that? long ago this yes, is. Yeah, it was still a hardcore band. Fuck, <laughs> Polywalk Stute era, right? Yeah, well, maybe a little after that. Maybe they were just starting to to go the other way. But yeah, yeah it was after Polywalk Stute because years before that, we went to talk to them because they were always always very cool with me. Yeah, always very cool with me, and um. We went to go talk to them about doing a record with Rat Cage. 
Okay. And Dave said that they have to okay it. So mm. we gave them a demo and they loved it. And then we went and we recorded it. We recorded the whole demo, the whole album. We went to the rat cage and it was closed. We went back the next day, it's closed. We went back the next day, it's closed. It's gone. Oh, <laughs> so we took that demo and that became the first Token Entry album. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so who recorded the first Token Entry record? Uh, Jerry Williams. Okay. King Jerry Williams. And, and that came out 88 or no? No. 86? Jeez, I don't remember. 88, I would say, because we toured. Because in 87, though. You toured before it came out, right? The tour was with Anthony, so that was on the single. Okay, okay. Right. Okay. The, the first tour, the big one, was with Anthony. Okay. The big one. We drove to California with one, one gig scheduled. <laughs> right? We drove all the way to San Francisco, played this one gig, and then stayed at this guy uh, PJ's house for, I don't know, how many days until we met up with Verbal Abuse. And they got us a couple of other gigs, and then introduced us to, to MDC, which got us a couple more. And that got us the money to get down to San Diego. Wow. Then man. we played in San Diego, and then we played all the way back. Just totally Just, winging it, man. We don't know what the next gig is until we finish this one and see is, what, what can we do next. And no phones, just like meeting no people, people along the way, man. Like, That's it. Sleeping wherever you can. We're, we're driving around in this little band. We hope it makes it to the next place. That's it. Wow. And so when that record came out. Anthony terrified of bridges. And, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like Mr. T or something. And flying gotta, still. Flying, flying bridges, going near water. He's like this. He's like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, he was great, man. So was that the only tour he did with you and that was it? That was the end of it, yeah. That was the end of it. That was the end. And so what were you doing at that time? Were you just working and doing that? At that time, oh, geez, was I still in school? I was probably working in a pizza place because I remember I took time off from the pizza to play with Underdog. So, yeah, I, I was probably working, but I was still in school. Yeah. Yeah, I was still in school. And I probably just graduated high school. Okay. Or maybe I was in between junior and senior year. Now you're asking me. I don't really remember. <laughs> you know? so, but, so when the Token Edgy record came out, you're all out of school for sure. Yeah. Well, let's see, 88. No, yeah. I had to still be in high school. No, because you're older than me. I graduated in 88. I was 18. All right, so that's it. Yeah. Okay. Wow, was that late? Yeah. 88? Damn. I would need to put this on pause and get my calendar. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know. So yeah. when that record came out, what was your reaction to the first token that you, Did you guys have a following already? Was it different for the scene? Because that record's so different than what was coming out at that time, I feel. Well, here's the thing. That record was a smoothing over of original hardcore. Okay. First generation hardcore, yeah. which, which I would call the very beginning, which is Kraut, Reagan Youth, um, Gilligan's Revenge, The Mob, Urban Waste, like, like these. This yeah. is the very, very beginning. But once you get into the 85, 86, that's when it just blows up. Okay. That's when Sick of It All and everything like that. That's the right. And I think Chromex came out around that time, right? Yeah. I don't want to. So um, that's when it happened, right? Token Entry at this time was still a holdover from the other one, but it was smoothed out because I'm much more of a melodic guy than I'm a hardcore guy. Yeah. I'm not a hardcore guy. Yeah. I mean, I'm a hardcore guy, but not a hardcore I, guy. I, I love the know? melody too. Yeah. Sure. I, 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 I've made through life without a single tattoo yet. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so it, I was always like antidote. You can tell, you can already see that the songs that I was writing were getting a little more like a, on the, the poppy side, a little more on the love melodic it, yeah. side. So, um, and that was a very early one. We did that one with Anthony. So yeah. um, seven seconds a big influence, huge influence. Yeah. Seven seconds to me was magical, magical. Like when they when I first um, like the first the uh, the crew was a hardcore record, but it still had a little melody. Totally. But when I heard that that ninety nine red balloons cover, I was like, holy cow! Now that now they're doing something. Yeah. This is a cover song, but still, they're this is ballsy. You know Amazing, what I mean? Amazing man. So yeah. yeah. So that that was like um, 
and then and then me and Kevin became tight friends forever after that. Yeah. He lived in New York for a little while. We used to go to gigs every single day. I know. What year was that? He lived in New York. Oh God, you're killing me here. What year was that? Mid nineties. Um, I was in college at what that the time. How he even got? To, what, what made him come to New York? He he was the way he <laughs> he had this label called Pacifist Records. Okay. Right and um. I, I, the way he explained it to me, he had a girlfriend here that had a really beautiful apartment on on um, on uh, like on Broadway downtown in, gotcha. in the Wall Street area, I think down on Chamber Street. And we used to have breakfast over at um, Waverly every single day. And he was really cool. And um and we used to go up into his apartment. He had this label called Pacifist, but he wanted to change the label to be only singles. Gotcha. And he wanted to change two letters, and it made it Pizza Fast. <laughs> right so we were, we were gonna do this thing and his idea the way I remember him explaining it to me was if you live in New York you can do a short tour of seven states you can do Connecticut mm. Philadelphia you can go to DC you can go to you, yeah. you can go all around it's but true. when you're in California you got to travel a long way just to get started yeah. so that was that's the way he explained it to me it made sense at the time I don't know if it, it, yeah. it probably doesn't apply now because you can go around the corner and find a show totally right? yeah but um but then that was a, it was a good theory and um he lived here for a little while and uh then he went back yeah that's all yeah seven seconds I mean you could definitely hear that influence in token entry too oh totally even in, especially in Jaybird too totally on the melodies totally. all that stuff and just yeah. uh, yeah. But was it was it what was so what was a was a warm reaction to the first record? Oh yeah, it was great. Like buzz going on the city. It was insane. Yeah. One, one of the the one of the best CBGB shows that I remember was the Token Entry from Beneath the Streets album release party. Gotcha. That's when we we got, came up with the idea. Let's buy five cases of Silic String, which people still do. Mm -hmm. We destroy the place with Silly String and. Tim, we used to work in a place called Garden World. I, okay. I know you mentioned that in your... Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, he used yeah. to work in Garden World. He used to get these gigantic inflatable pool toys. <laughs> and we used to have big alligators and all this stuff. And we would just fill them up at the end. And um, we had this whole thing planned out where I would start Revelation with the drums. And he would be lying there on a, on a, on a, on a, um, a lawn chair with a pina colada and a straw hat. <laughs> right? And as soon as I'd finish the drum part, he would slowly get up, fold the lawn chair, put it away take the hat off, take off the Hawaiian shirt, or whatever it is, and people would be screaming, and finally go into the tune, and it would explode, silly string, oh yeah, we had feather pillows, cut the top and just wow. whip them around. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, and we just made a gigantic mess, and then I remember the um, the guys at the cleanup CBGBs were complaining, and Hilly just said, that's part of the show, you gotta <laughs> let him do what's part of the show. <laughs> he was so cool with me, man. I used to be, I used to be like lying in bed, and the phone would ring, and I'd pick it up and say, it's silly. Brian and the boys are coming. Do you want to be on the bill? Brian and the boys is dead nasty. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He just called me up and offer things. He was the greatest dude ever. Yeah. Wow. And you met? Did you meet Timmy? Where'd you meet Timmy? Like, how did he get into the mix? After Anthony. Um, I met Timmy in Anthony's basement. Okay. I'm pretty sure we used to practice in Anthony's basement. Gotcha. And um, and uh, um, we had tryouts. But again, I never thought I was going to make anything out of this. I wish I had more Walters thinking. You know what I mean? I didn't. I, I, all I wanted in the band was someone I liked. <laughs> so the only yeah. two people I asked that I thought of was Tim and Squirm. Wow, Squirm. Squirm tried out for Token Entry. 
and he he would hold the mic and he wouldn't open his mouth he wouldn't say anything <laughs> and then tim would come in after him and explode and say well you got the job yeah yeah that's how he got it wow yeah and so that's he was in the bands before that though was he no 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 he was just a skater dude yeah from out in queens out in, like, yeah he was from bayside or flushing like that so then did you guys tour on that first record a yeah. lot yeah. We toured around. We did a, bu a bunch of things. It, it all becomes a, you know, it becomes a blur after a while. I don't remember what we were doing, but we, we played a lot, a hell of a yeah. lot. And then when, when Jaybird happened, oh, maybe not. Maybe that first record, not so much. We, we did. We did because I don't remember. It's all blurring together. But after Jaybird, yeah, we did a lot after Jaybird. But you and guys that, are all holding on jobs at the same time, taking time off, touring. Well, Timmy was in the union, I remember. Kind of. Yeah, Tim yeah. Was, in, was in the union yet. I don't know. Or maybe he was just starting. He was taking okay. time off. Um, and I was, uh, I was still in college. I was still in college. And what was your major? Oh, fine art. Fine okay. art education. I was an art teacher for a little while. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember that was during that. the Black, Black Train Jack years. Wow. I was a, I was an art teacher, and um, I used to tour during the summer. Until, That's perfect. Until I got a call from uh, Boston's management and said, do you want to do 35 days with the Boston's starting September 5th? Oh, so I said, damn, I got to quit my job or quit or not do this. So oh. I quit I quit the job. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that's crazy. You quit your teaching job. I quit my teaching job. And then uh, I remember I used to talk about it with a friend all the time because he was a teacher at the time too, right? Who? Todd. Yeah, yeah, substitute teacher. Yeah, Todd. And, and, um, and um, I used to, he used to say, we used to meet him in the Roadrunner office. I think he used to work in the Roadrunner office. Yeah, he did. <laughs> right? I and did too, the mirror room too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I used to talk to him about that all the time and uh, say, you're not teachers anymore, man. It's over. And, um, but I made a mistake. I, I let my le license run out. Oh, man. Yeah, so I can't be a teacher anymore unless I go back to school. Fuck. That was a mistake. Yeah. So that, do you regret that? Yeah. I have a lot of regrets. I'm not like your average Joe. I made a lot of mistakes, but I regret none of them. I made a lot of, a lot of mistakes, and I regret every last one. Damn. <laughs> I have a lot of regrets, man. So, I would have done a lot of things differently if I could, if I could do it all over. Was the Boston tour great? Was that it was awesome? incredible. I don't regret that. Such a great band of humans, dude. That was dude. incredible. You know how to man. treat a band that's so they're like such amazing people. Yeah, the they were great. They were great. And Gittleman is is like a genius. Yeah, dude's a genius. Great and, songwriter. Um, yeah. Yeah, and um, but more than that, like he's a he's a, a thinker. You know, mm -hmm. he's a songwriter and he plans things out and he has his. Well, he did then. He used to have these hand signals. Did you know about the hand signals? No. He would, he would like, they had no set list. He would just call out the next song oh, shit. using hand signals. Wow. Right? So he would, I remember the one that was, they had a song called Last Dead Mouse, and he would do this. Like you're shaking a mouse from the tail. Holy and shit. then the Last Dead Mouse is next. And we used to like try to guess what the next song is by his hand signals. Yeah, they were. They were <laughs> wow. Yeah, he was, he was a. He's like a teacher in Vermont now or something. I don't know. He's just smart He's a music dude. teacher now, yeah. Yeah, he's a smart dude. I so have what, a lot of respect what, for him. What year was that Boston's tour? That was after the first Black Train Jack album, so whenever that was. Yeah, uh, so. Let me see. Uh, <laughs> that was, um, I finished Black Train Jack in 95, right? Because I started Grey Area then, so I would say 90. Okay. Yeah, 95, 90, 91. And that was after the, oh, God. So after Token Entry, Token Entry slipped out of my hands. Right, Token Entry was a hardcore band. Then it was going to be what essentially Black Train Jack was, right? Yeah. But it slipped out of my hands. It it started to it started to get a little on the metal side, and then it started to get a little on the funk side, and then it, it started to go That's all right. it started to go all around the, the, the place. So Token Entry had to end. So then I started Black Train Jack. But 
to do the Black Train Jack, I had this contract with Roadrunner. Okay. I didn't know how to get out of it. Okay. So I had a lawyer, I don't know if it was Dave or I don't know who, told me, write them a letter saying that you want to be released from the contract. So I wrote them a letter saying, <laughs> if I don't hear from you in 90 days, I guess I'm released. I never heard back. So I, I figured that I'm free now. Who, who's the person that shows up at a Black Train Jack show on the 91st day? Howie Abrams. Mm. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah, so signed up with them again. Howie Abrams, you know, shout and, out, um, yeah. Yeah, so um, he was great too. He used to, he was, he was great, man. He took care of us a lot. I mean, those, first of all, the Token Edgy record and then um, the Jaybird record, Credible Records, I like Way to the World track, I got a shout out on there with a sack flap laid back. Um, <laughs> that was, there was some great songs in there too. There was a lot of wonderful songs in there. And then the Black Train Jack, man, those first albums on Roadrunner, those are fucking perfect albums, man. Thank you. Thank wonderful you very albums, much, man. front to back, both classics. Um, that one I didn't let slip away. That yeah. one, I had a, I had a good team, I had a, I had everybody had a really good job. You know what I mean? Like Brian, as you've noticed, he's a way better speaker than I am. Yeah. We used to send him on European interview tours with with Pete Steele. He used to go <laughs> Pete Steele, all flying from what? city to city in Europe. Just Those doing, two together? Yeah. Oh my God, right. man. He he just make us sound smart, right? Holy shit. And and Nick, the drummer, was amazing at organization and planning and whatever you can he was like the tour manager he yeah. was like wicked smart like that yeah right and um and then rob with that voice i mean like when i first met rob he was in, an, in a biohazard covered band no way and i was like are you for real who is this kid i was outside and i hear this voice i was like who is that and there's Joe's cousin, Joe from In Your Face. Yeah. And I said, let me go in there. And I met this kid, and, and he started roading with Brian. Him okay. and Brian were our roadies. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And, um, and then um, we started uh, just like when, you know, like after sound check, after, after our token entry sound check, we'd started just goofing around. And I would get Brian, I would play guitar, and I don't know, Chunks would play the drums. Brian would play bass because I was teaching him literally how to play the bass. Got you. Because I said, like I said, picking Squirm or Tim, mm -hmm. I liked Brian a lot. He was my best friend. So I want him in the band with me. So I'm going to teach you how to play this thing. <laughs> you just have to get good enough to play. Yeah. Right? So um, I taught him how to play the bass, and we started a band, and we called it, he didn't remember the name, it was Lungfish. Lungfish? Lungfish. Because there is another Lungfish from D.C. Yeah, we didn't know that. Wow. Right? But it, this was a band that was literally one song only during... After sound checks, gotcha. Of token entry sound checks, we never did anything. Yeah. And then when token entry had to end because it was stinking up the place, um, we uh, um, we took that that same exact thing. Longfish was the very first song. Wow. And, uh, okay. and that was Black Train Jack. So <laughs> was was when when token entry. Okay, so let's get back to you for a second. So Jaber, the record came out and that did really really well too, right? Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And you guys were internationally touring in that point. Oh, probably. yeah, it was great. That was great. We had to cancel two tours, ridiculously. Which ones? Uh, two European tours. The first one... Hey, wait, grab me that bag by your legs. I feel bad. You keep stepping on the plat. What is Where it? the fuck? I don't know. Somebody's fucking food. Making noise. Um, I'll go ahead. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think these, this headset is on, because I don't hear anything like that. You can't hear anything? I mean, I hear can you, you hear but yourself, I, Can you hear yourself in there? I hear good enough. Okay. So, um... What were we just? You were saying that Token Entry had can't miss two tours. Oh yeah, yeah. The first Token Entry tour was booked like I don't know how it was booked. It was booked without our knowing. Really? Because I like it was like oh you guys are gonna play in Europe. All right, yeah, sure. <laughs> like at that time, like who gives a shit about what hardcore is in Europe? 
You know, yeah. like, they, they, yeah. who knows what they do in Europe? It's another, literally, another country, yeah. right? So, or another continent. And um, I didn't think that anybody would care, and probably no one would care. But um, they booked some shows. I didn't even know about them. I guess they just expected us to go. Wow. So we we never did those, and and from what I understood, it was canceled. So that one I don't even know about. That was booked without me knowing. Yeah. But the next tour was going to be monstrous. It was going to be us. It was going to be. Um, Daniel Mahoney's band at the time. No for an answer. No for an answer, and Wrecking Crew. Oh shit! Okay. Right. It was pretty much that the the that live album at CBGB's. Yep. Right. And we were going to go to Europe, and everything was going to be awesome, and everything was going to be great. And <laughs> we were. It, it was explained to us that Roadrunner is a European band uh, label. Label. Yeah. So, they, so they were huge. There, it was yeah. going to be good. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I didn't even know what the hell that meant. But whatever. We'll go. Man, if if two or three days before that, George Bush. Senior attacked Kuwait. Yes, and um, and our bass player and our guitarist, both guys are uh, brothers. Their father or their uncle said, "You're crazy if you go. They're gonna kill you out there." We're oh, not sh- going to the Middle East. <laughs> we just, you know, and they refused to get on the plane. Holy it was shit. it was a knockdown, drag out, scream fest. Damn. The cab is outside, and you're not gonna get in. The we're going. We're going. I'm not leaving. Holy shit! Needless to say, we never saw or spoke to those guys again. But um, that was it for them. Yeah, that was it for Token Entry. We had to end it after that. This is a joke. We're stinking everything up. So that was Way of the World. That was the very end. The end of Way of the World. Yeah. Wow. That was the end. And how was that record received at that? Because it did get funky. It got very funky. It wasn't received as well as it should have been. Um. Uh, or maybe it got the, it got the respect it deserved. <laughs> it depends on how you look at it. But um, yeah, that didn't start out being a funk record. Okay. Um, we we got I I wanted Doctor No to play the lead on a on a song. Okay. On Jaybird. Okay. And he said, "Well, rather than play the lead, how about I produce the record?" And we said, "Go for it." Holy shit! So we went into the studio, Water Music, and in in Hoboken. And we recorded, but he never showed up. Jerry Williams produced it oh, for, sure, the, okay. for the most part. I mean, Doc okay. showed up once in a while, but he never yeah. did anything. So when the next album came along, Way to the World, he said, all right, this time I'm going to take care of you. So he came to practices. He came here. He came there. He came everywhere we went. And he changed every little thing we did. Holy yeah. shit. So, was like Chili Peppers big at the time or something? Like, what was Chili this? Peppers was huge There's at the time. There was a funk vibe going on. But it, yeah, there was a funk vibe going on. So he changed everything down to the drum beats, down to how many times we're doing the chorus, what the chorus is, what's Tim going to do, who's going to sing it. You know, a lot of stuff. You guys just rolling with it? She was talking no. I know. You know, so yeah. So he, he, he's a genius, man. That guy taught me more than, I, 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 man, he taught me a lot of stuff. Yeah. He was great. He's a ultimate respect for that guy. Yeah. But um, we changed everything. Everything. I'm not going to say he turned it into a funk record, but he definitely helped it. Did you love it at the time when you did it? Like, you listened to it? Well, I loved the, the, the lyrics, like, like, I Don't Want to Go Home. is about being on tour and loving it. Yeah. And the one about you, Bill, uh, Bill and, uh, Brian and Tim's Excellent Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, and, and the Revolution of Values, I was getting really turned up. Like, that's a big one. Like, it's so you were like all a, the songs mostly in Token Entry? Yeah. Yeah. And Black Train Jack. Um, I wrote most of the songs in Token Entry, but not the medley ones. Okay. Not like Tragic Magic and, and, and Forbidden Zone and stuff like that. Yeah, the m- melodic ones. Yeah. The melodic ones I wrote. And, and wow. to, like Jaybird is almost, uh, I, I shouldn't be saying this, should I? It's, it's the truth. All I right, mean. so yeah, Jaybird is almost <laughs> on me. And, and, um, and not lyrics, though. 
Yeah, yeah. Lyrics I, I, I'm, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. in my bag. Yeah. And um and um Black Train Jack was I think it's I think it's by that time I think I've made my bones. So when I had Nick, Brian and Rob, Black Train Jack was mine. Okay. So I, I wrote the tunes, I did everything. I think it's a known fact, public fact they know that you're an amazing songwriter and write a lot, <laughs> lot of things, yeah. Thank you. And then um and then that that was that. And then Black Train Jack ended I don't even know how Oh, I know how Black Train Jack ended. I'll tell you how. <laughs> we were touring a hell of a lot. Yeah. Black Train Jack was touring a hell of a lot. And we would we would be going out on on the road and we weren't allowed to sell records or CDs. Here's a funny story. Why? Before I get into that. We weren't allowed. Okay. You're, the story was you are interrupting the sales from mom and pop shops. Weird. Right? Okay. So we used to sell vinyl on the on the table. Got right? you. And then vinyl went out and it was all CDs. Yeah. Right? And then we were selling CDs for a couple of years. Yeah. And then later on, vinyl came back. Mm. And the first few months of having the vinyl, kids would say, oh, how much for the calendar? <laughs> I had no idea what it was. Are you serious? Yeah. So um, anyway, we would we would we would go around and we couldn't sell anything off of the off of the stage. We weren't allowed yeah. to. So I would call and and we had a really good lawyer, really good manager. Our manager was Anthony County from the Bad Brains. Yeah. And and there was nothing that could be done. You're not allowed to sell out the records. It's for sale in the stores, right? So we played this amazing show. So many people there, because that's the thing about Black Train Jack. Black Train Jack, like no other band I was ever in, caught fire. Yeah. You know, there was no lead up. There was no suffering. Third gig, it was sold out. Wow. You know, so... Um, it was a good diverse about Black Train Jack that it wasn't... You could have like the toughest people in the crowd sing along to these that, melodic that's songs. That's what made it so special. It was such a great diverse group of people at Black Train Jack show. That's what made Black you had, Train Jack... you had Jack. breakdowns, you had mosh parts, and you had these yeah. huge choruses and melodies. Yeah. It was really awesome, man. The thing that made Black Train Jack special was timing. Yeah. We were playing a brand of music that no one was playing. It was all crossover metal. And we were playing a brand of music. Really tough and street. Tough. And, yeah. and, and, and everybody wanted to hear it. Yeah. But no one had any access to it because it was in California. Gotcha. So when we started doing it, man, it took off, man. We could we played Super Bowls of hardcore. I remember that. You know, yeah. like we, we used to play hardcore shows. And then and then a couple of years ago in 2013, we did the the uh, This is Hardcore? Yeah, yeah. Didn't go so well. It didn't. Nah, man. Oh, this isn't hardcore. Because now there's a thumbprint. If you don't meet the thumbprint, if you don't meet yeah. the, the, the standard, then you don't fit. Mm. Right? But like I said, back in the early days, man, you could have Reagan Youth and, and the mob on the same bill. Totally. Totally different worlds. Yeah. But yeah, back in Jack, you was playing with like, you could play with the Gnostic Front, you could play with Sick of It All, you could play with Seven Seconds. Anything. You could play with Down Sick by Law. Sick of It All. I wrote, all a song called, I wrote a song called Gratitude, which is about Sick of It All because... We couldn't get to Europe if it wasn't for them. Mm -hmm. They took us on the first European tour. Took us on the first two, yeah. And also, yeah. and we we got off the plane. I had no idea what to expect. This is Europe, man. Mm -hmm. I had no idea what to expect. We got off the plane, got in a cab, made it to a club. The place was filled. So I figured, ah, second of all, does really well in Europe. I've heard this for a long time. <laughs> I go into the room and people are, are going like this to me. They're touching me like this on the shoulder. Wow. Like this. And I'm like, what is that? Get away, right? So I get up on the stage. <laughs> I get up on the stage. I plug in the guitar because we're late. I plug in the guitar, I go, ah, I hit a chord, and the place explodes. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Mm. It's true, Roadrunner is big in Europe. <laughs> yeah. Right? So so they knew every tune from the first chord all the way down. It was as good as being in the U.S., if not better. They knew every. Holy shit. It was incredible. Was that 95? Whenever, whenever Scratch the Surface happened. Okay. Right? Because we were on that That's tour. That's a great tour to be on, man. <sighs> yeah. That's a great tour. Wow. Did you guys almost a, a Green Day tour too? No. 
Okay. No, I wish. Okay. No, when Green Day happened, when Green Day happened, you could see the the Black Train Jack shine dull because mm. now 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 this thing that we're doing that's kind of special is everywhere. Got you know what you. I mean? So, you know, it's kind of yeah. They were they were doing it and they were doing it damn well and they were doing it really loud on the radio to everybody. So what we're doing is now oh they're like that mm. as opposed to like something different from what I'm used to. It's yeah. exactly what I'm used to now. It's yeah. the thing, you know. Good point. Same thing. Yeah, that happened to me with, with Gray Area too. But um, so after Black Train Jack, so Black Train Jack lasted how many years? Uh, I think five or six, and then we were on tour, and um, we couldn't sell. Like I was saying, we couldn't sell stuff off That's the so stage. Weird. That's like your tour. That's how you so make money. It's your tour all support. these kids come up to the um, all these kids come up to the stage and go, "We want to buy a record. We want to buy a record. Why don't you sell them?" I said, "Because they're not let us. Why don't you go to your store and sell them? They don't have it, right?" Mm-hmm. So. There's like 20 kids that want to buy stuff, maybe more, right? So I said, where is this record store? So we get in the van, we go to the record store. Oh, shit. And I go to the record store, and I go right up to Bad Religion, and I start flipping through, and I'm like, no Black Train Jack. No Black Train Jack here. So I go up to the guy, and I say, where's Black Train Jack? Because it's behind Biohazard in the metal section. Oh, shit. Because it's on Roadrunner. Ah. So I go to Biohazard, I flip through, and I reach Black Train Jack, and there's nothing in there. And I go, there's nothing in here. And he goes, goes, yeah, we sold out. And I go, all right, cool. How many did you have? Three. Oh, man. Three? I just played to 3,000 people. <laughs> or yeah. whatever it was, 2,000 people. And you have three? And we're not allowed to sell them? That's fucked up. So when I came back, I told my manager, um, I'll keep playing, but I'm not going on tour anymore if we can't sell stuff. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Right? So you're promoting the album. And so the sa- and for nothing. And they can calculate the sales from the road anyway. Yeah. Well, I don't know how it works. I'm not a businessman. That was Nick was, Nick was for. So, wow. Um, so we, we stopped. I, I said, I'm, I'll play. And we played for a little while after that, but we weren't going to do full-time touring. And so once you do that and you have lawyers and managers and all that stuff, then people start to drop off and it loses steam. Yeah. And that's when I did Gray Area. And I said, when I do Gray Area, I'm telling you right now, I'm not touring. Okay. I'll do a week, two, maximum. What was I, the gap between that, Black Train Jack and Gray Area? It was from when, when, all right, let me see. Black Train Jack ended... Not much because, not much because, I would say when did Rabies die? Ninety-seven. So it was yeah, but about a year. Okay. No, it couldn't have been because I I've never gone a day without being in a solid band. Maybe maybe but maybe maybe it was a little while. Maybe it was a maybe it was a little while. But okay. the day that Rabies died, I was at his funeral, and that's Rabies where I met yeah. Vinny and Jay. Okay. And um. Wow. And um, we um we said let's let's jam, so we started Gray. Not Jay, Vinny. Jay was there, but Jay wasn't in the original gray area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we did, I started with Vinny. So you've been nonstop writing songs like your whole life. My whole life, to this day. And you start, you have ideas all the time. It's all the right, time. It's, right. it's something that, you, it's, it's, it's hard to shut off. And you sing, you play guitar, you play drums, you probably can play bass, right? Oh, yeah. Piano, keyboards? A little bit. Not much. Not like and that's all self-trained. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it's not like, that's that's an interesting thing. I wish I could do this with other things in my life, but it's not, it's <laughs> it's not like a, a thing that it even takes figuring out. Because yeah. like you put your finger on the string and you hit it, and you know if it's right or wrong. <laughs> then you do the next one, and the yeah. next one. Now I got it. It's yeah. as simple as that. There's dexterity that comes with practice, but as far as hearing it and knowing where it is, it's just it just comes naturally. Yeah, it's a totally different. Um, your love for music, and music and for art too. Yeah, are pretty much the same. Um. Designing and all the stuff you do. And it's interesting. It's interesting. Uh, this is going to get a little bit deep and it's fine. But not interest your um, no, listeners. No, man. But when it comes to music, I can get away with knowing the, the 
the bare minimum. So if I, if I need to play a hardcore song, I gotta learn how to play a hardcore song. That was my attitude with Brian. I'm gonna teach you how to play these five songs. These are the only five songs you need to know. So mm -hmm. just play these, right? <laughs> so that, that was good. But in visual art, that doesn't sustain me. I gotta know more. I gotta know how, you know, Caravaggio layered. I gotta know how these things happened. Even though I'm not gonna do it, I'm just gonna do a gig poster for sick of it all. But I still need to know how that happened. I need to know how those layers happened. How did stuff like like different artists throughout that time, how did they get away with what they did? And yeah. How did they figure that out? That stuff interests me. I never said, let me figure out how Eddie Van Halen plays a lead. Mm -hmm. ne could never care less. Yeah. You know what I mean, I never had that instinct. I would just wanted to do what I did. But in visual art, I want to go way further. Always. I don't Push know why. Yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Which you're still learning every day, probably with that and with music. And you can never stop learning. Yeah. You can never stop learning. Hardcore is an interesting thing, though, because there was a time where hardcore bands were expected to be bad, mm -hmm. right? Like um, I remember seeing. Uh, I remember what band he was in, but John Watson would play a lefty, a white lefty Rickenbacker with two strings on it. Wow. You know? And that was good. That was fine. In your face, Joe, he never had six strings. Five. That little one at the bottom, I'm never going to use it. That was his attitude. <laughs> right? So, so that, this is the way you expect it to be. And then as bands got better and more, you know, better at their craft, yeah. they became metal. Got you. And then that switched at one point. Yeah. That switched at one point with like... um. A lot of bands, but the one that always comes to mind is Kid Dynamite. How they were able to take the original formula for what hardcore was and play it to such a level of, 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 of you know, proficiency. Got you. That without becoming metal. Mm. You know, that was, that was great, man. Bad Brains were the original ones. Like, holy cow. You're never going to get metal out of them, but damn, these guys are good. Yeah. You know? They're one of the, they're one of the greatest. Yeah. Bad Brains was, in my heart, them? in my heart, that's the first hardcore band. Okay. Yeah, they were the ones that said, let's go fast. Mm -hmm. And then Pay to Come, that was the first hardcore song. And you remember seeing them for the first time? I remember seeing them for the first time. I'm in that picture. Oh, you are? And that wasn't even the first time, but I'm in that picture, um, you know, when you open up um, Eye Against Eye? Yep. And Rabies and, yep, and rabies. Russell, I'm in the crowd. Oh, you can't shit. tell it's me, but I'm there. I can tell it's me. Yeah, I was, that right probably, was probably mind-blowing back then to see the backflips, all that and, stuff. And the thing that not a lot of people know, that was a reunion gig. Oh shit! Okay, it's, they were gone for five or six years, and okay. they came back to do that. It was explosive, and that was one of the Chromex earliest shows. PMS played that. That was monstrous. Yeah, I saw that flyer today, actually, somewhere. That somewhere. was monstrous. Yeah. yeah, we were there for that. Wow. Yeah, I so, saw the Misfits at Gildersleeves. Oh, I heard. You, I heard know, you know, what, you heard of Gildersleeves? Yeah, I was, yeah. It's a soup kitchen, I think. Now, I'm not wow. sure. It's right down the block from CB's. I saw Misfits there with 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 the band that Moby was in. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Vatican Commandos. Vatican Commandos, and uh, I remember who else? And Rosemary's Baby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was scary back then too, probably right. It was a hell of a lot scarier. You were yeah. younger too, yeah. I was very little, very little. Oh, that's that's my first time meeting Ian. Okay. They played Gildersleeves, and we were all outside talking to Ian McKay, and um, the, you know blown away this is Ian McKay it's Mackay right? by the it's way Mackay I know I always say Mackay I don't yesterday. know why <laughs> right it's Mackay yeah. Amanda reminded me of that a thousand times <laughs> so um, it's Mackay and you're talking to him and then we gotta go man it's it's late we gotta go to school tomorrow yeah right? and he goes where are you going and he says well by the time you guys go on we gotta be gone we gotta oh, be shit. out and he said what he went inside he came back out and he said we're going on first all you guys can come in no fucking way so he dude. did minor threat went on first and we all saw them Holy shit. Yeah. 
That sounds like some. After talking to me yesterday, it sounds exactly something he would do. It's fucking yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, he's done a million things like that, man. Holy shit. Like, when we, right, that first tour, I'll tell you this. That first tour, we were going from one city to one city, but we stopped by the 930 Club because we were, maybe we were with Amanda. And we stopped by the 930 Club and we were in the van. And he came over to us and he was talking to us. And we would tell him we're a band, we're on tour, blah, blah, blah. And um, he goes, Are you playing tonight? He goes, No, why not? And we're not on the bill. He goes, Why not? You're here. So he went in and we played with um, Soul, Soul Side that day. Holy Soul shit. Side and Agent Orange at the nine thirty. Wow. We, we had no we had no business being on that bill and he hooked it up. Damn. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. And he won't remember either of these. I bet you he won't remember either of these. He's got a really good memory though. Uh, maybe he will then. You wanna hear a good memory? Sure. Remember that story I told you about Rollins with the quarters? Yeah. Okay, that was in what year was that? You knew it. It was 80, Marble Bar. Eighty seven. Okay. You go into the nineties. Maybe 97. He's doing spoken word. Yeah, I remember that. And he was doing spoken word at a place called The Building. Okay. Right? This is 10 years later. And right before he's about to go on the set, or maybe right after the set, people there's a line of people that want to shake his hand. So I get on the line. Right? <laughs> and when I make it up to him, I go up to him, and I go to shake his hand, and I said, I know you're not going to remember me. And he goes, Marble Bar, November 12th, 1987. Holy shit. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, he was pulling out dates of every show I yesterday. Couldn't believe like, it. Yeah, but he just by looking at me uh, ten years later, knowing that fucking amazing. I know I said you're not gonna remember me, and like that he remembered. Wow, I can't do that. He he, he, he for me I, I talked about him yesterday. He is like, if there's like a human being that represents in the dictionary the word punk, or DIY or grass, it's him. Like he is the epitome of all that man. He encompasses all that still. It, it preserved that whole life. That, Henry? He, he, yeah, he hates no Ian. He oh, hates oh. the word lifestyle, but. He preserved this whole way of thinking, everything, his whole entire life, through everything that's been thrown at him from millions of dollars and record deals yeah. and Lollapalooza and all this shit. He's just like, no, no, I don't need it. I don't it's, need it's it. It's incredible, man. Yeah. It's just, that's crazy. And he's so humble and real and honest and like, it's, it's incredible. I'm sure you met some people in your life that, I don't know if I should have met them. Cool. I had some people like that. I'm like, oh, I wish I never met them, keep them over there. But he's this one who's just like, he's just perfect. He's the perfect. Oh, yeah. I, you know yeah, I mean? like I, Kevin Seconds is like that for me too. He's yeah. like perfect everything you want him to be. Yeah, you know, like yeah, totally. It's pretty amazing. Like we have these people that, for me, were kind of father figures, and for me, you look up to put them on this pedestal. Then you realize that later on in life, they're like only a couple years older than you. Yeah, but when you look at them back then, you're like, holy shit! Like, That's exactly right. That's the way I saw Ian McKay and, and his whole world. That that um flex your head compilation it was like this is the world. This is this is this is what's smart. Everything else is stupid. <laughs> Yeah, and and I didn't have to talk myself into that. That was my world. Yeah. I never in my life did I ever feel an ounce of peer pressure. Because if somebody came over to me and said, "Hey, man, you want you know you you want to take a you know take a token like this or whatever," Quaalude, <laughs> I would I would I would see that as if they said to me, "Hey, man, you want to you know go go step in a pile of shit?" Yeah, it's the stupidest move. It, it, there's no coolness to it at all. Yeah, I didn't see any of it. It didn't make any sense to me. And and that's because of that. I could have easily gone the other way. Yeah, well, did your brother party too or no? Not really. No. Not really, no. So it wasn't really around you in your home life either and stuff like that either, so. Say again? It wasn't around you in your home life either. Like no, drinking, no way. Yeah. No way. Were your parents kind of strict or no? My parents were kind of strict, but then they were very, very trusting. Like go to the city, go to the punk show. Yeah. Like 14. They were very trusting. They they trusted me to not do anything. So as, as a... As a... um. A natural re return to that. I didn't do anything. Yeah, you know, I was trusted. 
So I'm yeah. not gonna screw it up. You I know? love that man. Yeah, I was I was always trusted. I, I um and I never did anything that that um would would betray a trust like that. I mean, I'd done some crazy things, but nothing drug or alcohol. Yeah, you weren't like a wild kid or nothing like nah, that. Hell no, man. Hell no. I'm a I'm a I'm a like you said, like I have an like an energy. I'm like a like a nice guy. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a hardcore guy. Well, you're high on life. You've always been very energetic. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. You know, I try. I try to be. Yeah. Know? Even when you get older, I, I think I think having kids too, they keep you they keep you young too, and they give you that extra energy. You know? Yeah, they do. They and definitely I, do, especially when they're young. Yeah. When they're very really young, it's like when you realize, wow, it makes me feel young. Do you do you feel like you use a lot of the punk ethics that you learned growing up as a father? Like some of the stuff you learn, just the way you see the world, the way like you. Yes, I, I, I definitely do. Like um, the one of the things that that the the as you call it, the punk ethic that I try to instill in my kids is to be accepting of everything. Me too. Every last thing. Yes. And it's not very difficult because um, there's I don't have to talk them out of anything. It's, it's yeah. like they it's not like they weren't that I'm trying to talk them into it. Yeah. This is the way they've been. I've also my kids have never had beef. Wow, so, my son either. Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. like, or a coke or anything like that. So. Wow. So um, yeah. So um, I. This is the way. You know what I mean? Like, there is no other way that I'm trying to talk you out of. When you get older, then you make your own decisions. Exactly. But this is the way you were raised. Yeah. yeah. My son's never had me. He's raised that way. He's the only kid out of his whole group of friends who's straight edge in the school, but they all love and respect him. He's kind of outgoing like I was. He's a skateboarder. You know what I mean? So like, we yeah. have this really good communication. Mm -hmm. Talk a lot, like, like you said, and we fully trust him. He, talks to us all day long and like, like I said for you that trust from your parents that was instilled in you means you want to be a good kid not want to fuck up because your yeah. parents trust you to go to the city and go to fucking punk shows look like a total at 13. scary place yeah, 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 yeah. it was a scary place yeah yeah and um I remember one time my dad used to belong to a lodge okay. like, like, a, like a club right and um it was on 11th street it was what Webster Hall is now okay right so awesome. um we were playing at A7 really late at night one night and we just happened to be playing with Government Issue. Sick. I think it was Government Issue. Rest in peace, But it, it was a straight edge gig. Okay. Right? I think it was Government Issue. And and he came to Avenue A and 7th Street to see what was going on. And he saw everybody outside. Everybody looked funny. Everybody had weird haircuts. But no one was smoking. Nice. So he walked away and said, okay. It's all right. Checked up that on you. That one time. It was That's a amazing, edge gig. though. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. I asked Timmy this, too, and I was really surprised by this. But did your parents come see any of your bands? No. Wow. No. It just was. That's it, real trust. It, it was. It's. That's not. It just never occurred to me. Is it a Queens you know thing? I don't know. Because it never. Like, no, my parents never came. Like, holy shit. Yeah. It never occurred to me. Wow. Yeah. They knew you were out there playing some wild music, but yeah, it's that fun and. Whatever. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. Yeah. That's, so let's get to Gray Area. So Gray Area comes after Black Train Jack. Right. That's another amazing band. Um, how long did that last for? That lasted from '95 to 2002. Okay. That's '95 yeah. to 2002, maybe. Yeah, and um, that was great too. But then we then we did we went with Victory. Oh and shit! They were a good label too. But um, we we didn't really full on tour. We did two weeks here, two weeks there, but not full on touring. Yeah, a week here, a week every weekend. But um, yeah, that was great though. That was that was another band that was really good. And then um, another one that kind of took off from the beginning. Not yeah. not like Black Turn Jack, not even close. But we, we it took off from the beginning. We had a nice following, and then um. And then I don't remember, I honestly, I was thinking about it on the way up here. Why did we stop the first time? But we stopped for some reason. Uh, uh, oh, another thing that would happen was we did almost 80% of the gigs we did were with Kid Dynamite. Okay. So I got to see that every day. They would just blow the doors out 
every single night. I've wow. never seen a band that was more an example of being equaling more than the sum of your parts than those guys. That band gotcha. was brutal in every single way. Mm. And no matter how good you thought you were, you weren't that good. Wow. And I remember the first time they played, um, the first time that they played was at, at uh, Tramps, was it? Yeah, Tramps was by, yeah. the first time playing in New York, and I was playing the drums in Craig's band, Creep Division. Creep Division, yeah. Right? And I didn't make it in time to see them. Oh, shit. But everybody was saying, that band was incredible. Everybody was saying it. But they played so early that only a few people said it. Gotcha. And that worked to their advantage, because so many people were saying it, mm -hmm. that now you got to find out who these guys were. You're going to see them, yeah, word of mouth. You, you, never, you, you could never live up to the height that they gave. Mm. But boy, did they live up to that height. Yeah, that was an incredible band. Did they ever do a reunion, Kid Dynamite? Yeah, they do reunions. They did them every once in a while in Philadelphia. Yeah, yeah I yeah. got them to do one for CBGB, Save CBGB. Oh, nice, nice. And um, and um, they never played CBs. They, they never busted did. Busted it down. They did that. I'm night. sure. I'm sure. They busted it down. They were just insane. They yeah. were so good, man. They were a great band. They were definitely a little GB influence, right? The first album was GB influence. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah. But then, but then, wow, they were incredible. Yeah. I, I, what I love about you is that you, the whole time through all 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 you've been a musician, you've always held down like a real job, a freaking yep. teacher, all the art you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, I always love that I, I, because I don't have. I mean, a lot of musicians, a lot of people chose just to go for it, maybe or not have a plan B, B or C or D. Yeah, and you always had that. And I always loved and respected that. I think it's awesome. Thank you. You it's can play music and come back to your regular life and all that shit. And just like just like I said, it's it's it wasn't a plan A, B or C. Yeah. It was plan one, if you yeah. want. It was it was a number. It's I never planned to to make a living doing this. Yeah. Never. It never crossed my mind. It's crazy. You, know? but you made some money, I'm sure. No. <laughs> Nothing. Zero. And, Zero. and sometimes Jay will send me a check from from um from Victory and I am literally dollar sixty. Wow. That's, that's we got nothing. We were making money. And what, what, what what do you think it was about not wanting to like just Go for it and just try to do it. It wasn't really interested you. It never really interested me. Like I was told, like Black Train Jack got damn close. We did MTV stuff. Yeah, that's we, right. We did big tours. We did yeah. this, and, and, we, and we were told this is going to be big. This is going to be big. Wow. Not if we can't sell records. You yeah. Know? Not if, if every time we go on tour, the people are screaming for the record and we can't sell it. It was. It was that's super frustrating. It makes this crazy to me that it happened like that. Yeah. Well, that's the way I remember it. Again, this is just my memory. You know. Yeah. It's crazy. So. What are you working on now musically? Um, well, right now what happened was after I did um, Gray Area, I did a bunch of little things like I did um, Higher Giant and I did a bunch of other little bands. Yeah, I got some written down too. And then after that, I stopped for a little while because my kids were getting to a certain age. Yeah. I don't want to say because, yeah. but that's just kind of what, what took my attention away. Arsons too, right? Arsons. I did three yep. albums with the Arsons. And then, um, and then um, but I still have a lot of material. Yeah. So I'm planning on getting back together with a bunch of guys and recording it. Yeah, then Hellgate Industries, what you do now is making posters. Yes. Yeah, that I've been doing really for almost well. almost ten years now. Nine ten years. Ten years. Let me see. The first one was in, the first one was Sam I Am and Walter Schreifels. It was, in 2011. I so, have one framed no. in my house. If anybody's seen that Straight Edge Santa one, that shit's one of, it's amazing one you did for us that one yeah. show. Um, yeah, if you see all the posts, I know you did a Blink one recently too. Yep. If you see his posters out there, it's it's Ernie been doing this and he's been doing art. From from the beginning through yeah. all the records he's been on too, like that's because of Sean Taggart. Mm. Sean Taggart blew me away, man. Big influence on you. But when that that um cause for alarm, cause for alarm, man, that hung yeah. on my wall 
for many many years that was like that is like a masterpiece to me i love yeah. that the energy the, the movement in that it was crazy he just did the new agnostic front one he too. just did the new agnostic it's awesome yeah. I saw the other time. yeah so that's he's like one of the influences as far that, as that was a major major influence on my style if you look at I, I posted it the other day on instagram if you look at the back cover of the first black train jack album yeah and you look at the front cover of cause for alarm okay uh, you could see the influence <laughs> very quickly what about the guy that did walk together rock together he's awesome too yeah, he's good too. Yeah, I don't know, guy I don't know is, who he though. is, but um, but he he was very good too. Yeah. And then and then of course um, some other people that that always blew me away was the girl that did I can't remember her name right now. It just flew out of my head. The girl that did the Circle Jerks logo. Ooh yeah. Yeah, I can't remember her That's name. That's fucking right now. incredible. That's, That's right. Now you know beautiful. he talks about her. It's so fluid the way that it moves. You yeah. Know? Um, you never got tattoos. That's pretty awesome. No, I've always planned on it, but I never got around to it. You think you're gonna get one? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Get one in your fifties. When, when I get so older, <laughs> that's so crazy. Starting your fifties, get tattooed. Yeah. There's a lot of people. I think Craig just has one in his lip. Armand has one in his lip. Nothing on their bodies. Yeah, they made it through with that. It's kind of cool if you made it through that this whole entire crazy scene and not having one. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I, mean, I don't know how cool it is, but it's it never. You know, I'm, I don't like needles for one, and yeah. for two, it's like uh, I don't know. I, whatever I do, I'm going to regret it later. Whatever I yeah. do, unless I'm like you and I'm completely covered. In, it's like fuck, it look like a mess whatever, anyway. Whatever it is. Um, so you regret it. Let's get uh, one of my questions I asked. You have any regrets? Is there any regrets you could talk about? Oh and you said you had God. a lot, but I mean, my God, I got so many regrets. Are they music ones or no? Um, I should never have left art and design, high school. Okay. Um, and, and then your license ran out. I should never have let my license run out. I could have been a teacher. Fuck. Yeah, these are things I regret. Yeah. Yeah, I wish I could have fixed them, but whatever, man. You know, living. Goes I on. mean, I did fine in other ways. Yeah, in every great. other way. Yeah. yeah, I respect that. You, I respect you can play your music and go back to normal life and have that balance, have that security. Yeah. You know, um, for uh, it's awesome. For a long time, I was coming out here to be in a band called In Your Face. Yeah. And that was probably the favorite band. Wow. Because that was always fun. Just fun. It no business on that shit. No just, business, yeah. no nothing. That, that, like we would go we would go to gigs in Albany and and we would get to the place and the place would be closed. It was canceled. And we're in Albany and we would just laugh it off and go spend the rest of the day in the like ball you pit. Said, yeah, in the care. ball pit at the Chuck E. Cheese. And we didn't care. Yeah. It was just fun yeah. all the time. Business never got in the way. It was always a blast. I used to come all that. the way out here to practice every weekend. That's awesome. little and that's just rabbit. for the fun of it, and that's just just for the fun of it. It was pure. It was pure. I was in college. I had a little Volkswagen Rabbit, and I used to come out here. That's the car I sold chunks. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and when he got his license, and uh, it was great, man. It was great. That was that was pure, pure fun. Would you ever do a Black Train Jack reunion? Hell yeah. It's awesome. I would do a Black Train Jack reunion anytime. No, no problem with that. Gray area. Gray area, but we will do one. So yeah, yeah, we will do it again. Token Entry, we, we, we have been doing it. Yeah, you have, right? But the yeah. one that I'm interested in now is the Gilligan's Revenge reunions. That that was that was really good. We did one at, at A7. Oh, shit, okay. It's really weird, oh, recently, man. right? Yeah, we just did one. At, it was one how was it? About a thousand times better than I expected. Okay. I thought that it was going to be empty and no one would know anything. And it was not in a lot of people. People know the history now. People yeah. know about, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a historical thing now. You, it you, is. You want to know what's going on. A lot of the new kids in the new bands, too, like they, they know all like the roots of stuff, which is really mm -hmm. awesome. I mean, I thank the internet for that too. It's easy to Google a band and find the yeah. history. But there's a lot of a lot of that stuff is not findable. Mm. You know? Yeah. I don't think you can get like, say for instance, the abused. Is the abused on Spotify? The abused probably not. No, right? Um, I think the mob is. Urban waste is, but I don't know, like like other bands of that time. 
citizen's arrest. I'm like, can you find that stuff on, the, like, there was a band called Borscht. Borscht, like, I remember that name, yeah. yeah. I wonder if you could find that. You know, like, who knows? What would be your top influences for, for being a musician? My top influence is, my top influence, <laughs> this is going to be a surprise. <laughs> I started out playing the drums because I had a brother that literally, this is how long, I was a little kid, and I started playing the drums because I didn't want to be a copycat of my brother. That's gotcha. why I started playing drums. And um, I played the drums, and my biggest influence as a drummer was John Bonham. Wow. Yeah. That's to awesome. Me, to me, that's the top end of drumming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't need to go much faster, and you don't need to do much fancier, but you yeah. got to hit it that hard. Yeah. Right? And um, <clears throat> that's it. But when, it, when I started writing material, like Antidote, I wasn't a guitarist when I wrote Antidote. I just had a melody in my head, and I picked up the guitar, and I'm like this with one finger. Awesome. And that's how I, th that song came to be, or Detention, or any of the early songs. Yeah. And um, the influence for me at that time was Johnny Thunders. Awesome. I was a big New York Dolls fan. Awesome. And New York Dolls, um, uh, Heartbreakers, and the Ramones. Anybody can play that stuff. And that makes you feel like, I can do this. It's not like I'm listening to, you know, <clears throat> The Who or Alice totally. Cooper or something like it. This, yeah. is, this is like educated and, 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 and you know, expert. No, yeah. anybody can play this. You can, I can do this. Yeah. This puts it on my level. It makes it accessible to me, mm -hmm. a little kid in my room. Awesome. That's, that was my influence. It's the number one. Yeah, that's it. The Ramones, um, Johnny Thunders, Dead Boys, like that. I was like, I can do that. That's awesome. I mean, Ramones are like, I talked to Milo last week and I was saying like, I hate the word pop punk, but like Ramones had the melodies, but I feel like Descendants was one of the, to bring that melody into punk rock. You know what I mean? I and mean, Ramones had the the melodic sound and like have a doo-wop vibe maybe to them. But as far as like bringing the melody in, I would give Descendants a lot of credit too. Oh my God. For back then, you know? Descendants was a massive, massive influence on me. Massive. But not from a specific instrument. Yeah. Just like musical style. Descendants and Dag Nasty and Seven Seconds. That yeah. world for me was, was the best. And I remember when we played, we, when Descendants was coming around, I got that call from Hilly, do you want to play? And, <laughs> and we played with Descendants. This was Token Entry. We just changed the name to Token Entry. Anthony okay. was still in the band. And they were playing. And um, I wanted to be there for the soundtrack. And I was like, oh my God, there they are. And, and I remember um, they, were, they, were, they were just great, man. It was packed and it was so, so long ago. And then just <laughs> to see them do that and to be that tight and that perfect mm -hmm. in every song. And, and they were singing songs about love and yeah, getting married and, farts, and all this stuff. That coffee. They, you know, co coffee. But like they had songs <laughs> called Marriage. And, yeah. And, and like it's like, it was like, I, I, even I wouldn't go there. You know what I mean? It's like mm -hmm. it's so, you know, but, but, um, Parents, all that, but but parents and all that stuff, and and it was it was it was refreshing, you know. I mean, it was really really yeah. good. Dag Nasty was a, a, a thing to behold because Brian Baker is insane. That guy can play, man. Amazing guitar player, yeah. Man. Um, and um, but you know, see Dag Nasty, and we played with Dag Nasty a lot. Yeah. Both with with Smalley and um, Peter. Peter, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah Field yeah. Day's out now. It's incredible with him and Doug. It's amazing. It's called Field Day. They're touring right now. No kidding. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh, wow, I didn't know. It's really good. They're playing those records, and it just, I saw them in LA, it just sounds perfect. Like, wow. Those are great That's records. That's great. I love those records. I loved I loved when people kind of bugged out when it went from Dag, from Can I Say to Wig Out. And do, I loved all those records together, just like I loved when Seven Seconds, New One's like my favorite record, I think. And then Soul Force, Ourselves, Praise. All I loved all that when they started yeah. getting real melodic, man. Praise is the missing one. Not a lot of people <laughs> know about that <laughs> yeah. one. And the um, EP, yeah. That, that song, man. 
that 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 was a great time for seven yeah, seconds. Man. It was not hardcore, but that was I a know. great time. But I appreciate it because I heard whatever the crew watched together. I love those records, but then when they started changing, yeah, they made me open minded to check out you too and listen to other types of music yeah. because I was just in my punk rock hardcore world. I'm like, holy shit, this guy's Kevin has long hair now. They talk about you too. I'm like, holy shit, Sunday bloody Sunday. Yeah, it totally opened my eyes to a lot of it's music. a lot of other stuff. Yeah, yeah, gets you moving on the other way. And yeah. then you became a Madonna fan. Yeah, exactly. For sure, all that. But it's like, yeah, they let me come out of my shell, I guess. But I was man, seven seconds. I mean, that new one record, like, man enough to care, talking about a dad being like so like manly with his son. Now I didn't even have a fucking father growing up, and I wasn't even thinking about being a dad. But that song really connected with me, man yeah. enough to care. Because nobody in Harker was singing about that kind of shit, man. Trust is the one that caught me. Trust, I was yeah. Like, Damn, what a great song. Yeah. What a great tune. And they used to do it differently live. They used to put a different spin on it. But it was mm-hmm. great, man. I love them. And then praise. That was when Token Injury was with them. You know, okay. or was it talking? Whatever band I was in at the time was with them at that point, <laughs> and and that song, it was great, man. On the screen, yeah, <laughs> I can, I know it right now, man. It's but crazy because you, you you didn't really set out to be like a, first of all, a singer, then a drummer. No. Like you do everything. It's fucking, it's pretty amazing that you're the man kind of behind all this these magical records. I'm thank people you. People know, but you can look at they can look at the credits on the records and see that stuff, but like. It's usually not the drummer that's writing the stuff, or I don't know. No, yeah, that's true, that's true. But you know, you you know, after a while, you get trusted, and then the guys that and your your, you know, your family expands. Yeah. Right. So it was first it was me, chunks, and two other guys, and, and and Johnny and and whoever else was Arthur, and and but and then it expands, and you then you meet Rob and Brian, and then you meet this guy, and that guy, and then it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And, bigger. and then and that's how it happens, and more and more people trust you, and they and they believe you, and then. And then when Black Train Jack happened, that's when it really came out of the shell because at this point, I'm. That's my job is writing. Material. Yeah. Everybody else has a job, but the material writing is me. Yeah. You know, like I asked Brian, I asked Brian, Brian, why didn't you? When I was listening to your podcast, I said, mm-hmm. why didn't you say X or Y? And he goes, dude, the, the music stuff, you talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his memory was kind of. Shout out to Brian, I love you. Like a lot of the questions, like, I don't remember that. I remember that. I remember that. But like, you all have your own perspective. I talked to Rob too about. Things you remember and things you don't from that time, you know, but... You know what Rob could do? What? Rob could drive, no joke, 24 hours, maybe more. Maybe more. Yeah. He could sit there in the, in the bus... Well, became bus driver, I mean... And drive without blinking. Like, it's, it's amazing. Like unbelievable. I would fall asleep, wake up, <laughs> live an entire day, and go back to bed, and he didn't get out of the chair yet. Wow. He was powerful when he Oh, he's perfect what he did for his job after that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was it's perfect. perfect. That. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember we had this short little black train back, black train jack bus. We bought this little school bus. <laughs> it was and, awesome. And we built a little Maddie. It was and, blue. And, and we built these, these <clears throat> no, it was yellow. It was oh, yellow. It was, okay. It was a real everyday school bus. Okay. No, the blue one was the Souls. Got you. The Souls had a blue one. We had um, um Maddie who Dirty Maddie? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, he was my still is my closest friend. Okay. So um we had this um uh we, we built this lofts in the back where yeah. the equipment would go on the first level. Uh Rob, Brian, and Jaybird would go on the second level yeah. and me, Matt, and Nick on the top level. And you would sleep and the ceiling would be right here. <laughs> right here. Claustrophobic. So that's crazy. Scary. And then Jim Norton would be driving the Jim bus. Jim Norton, yeah. Yeah. Jim Norton works at a venue in Jersey now, I think. I ran into him. Yes, he do, he he's back and doing it, but yeah, he's, he's got himself recently. a real job too. Yeah, yeah but yeah, so. that was like one of the first kind of like buses I seen that band yeah. use. We got it real cheap. Rob's bro- brother welded on like the the 
bars so you couldn't break the window. Wow. You could open the door and the stop sign would come out. Yeah. Cool. yeah. I remember another state of mine had a real school bus. They had a real school bus. Yeah. That was crazy. I remember man. when that tour came to New York. And we came to, you saw that tour? I, I don't remember if I saw the gig, but I remember when it came to New York. I'm, maybe, I mean, let me, let me think. No, no, no. It, it was at CBGB's, right? Yeah. I don't think I was at that one. Did they play anywhere else? How? how Cuz I saw Social Distortion yeah. a million times. That was such an amazing movie. That was another state of mind. Dude, are you hip to the the book, the Karen O'Sullivan book? It's came out. What's it called? It's called Somewhere Below 14th and East. Is it new? It's coming out right now. It's okay. in pre-order. You know who Karen O'Sullivan is? I know the name, yeah. Karen O'Sullivan was like BJ, photographer okay. of hardcore, but Got you. from the beginning, man. Okay. Going way back. And she was um she's she she's like ill now. Oh, and my shit. brother went into her garage, got all these uh, canisters of film, developed them all, and put out a book. Oh shit! Okay, That's I'm gonna check it out. Yeah, wow, you check it out. Crazy. So you go and you check that out, and you'll see like there's shots of that tour, like like um you know the, the bus, the the in the state of yeah. mind outside of CBGB's. It's called below Fourteenth. Below Fourteenth and East, I think it's called. It's a cool name. Yeah. Um, this kind of a, this question I know the answer to because I know you for a long time. Are you are you optimistic or pessimistic? I am always optimistic. Yeah, you've always been like always that. optimistic. I'm optim. Oh, let's 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 clarify that. I'm <laughs> optimistic about things I can control. Gotcha. I become more pessimistic when they're things out of my out of my control. Yeah. Unless they're things that are so far out of my control that whatever. Like I don't I don't fear terrorist attacks. Mm-hmm. If it happens, what am I gonna do? I can't worry about it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that, I don't fear. But um, you know, they're they're uh, if it's out of my control, I become a little more pessimistic. Like this is going to get screwed up. This is going to get yeah. I can do that. Yeah. But but f- most things I'm optimistic. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. You've always been like that. Yeah. Always been positive, outgoing. I yeah. Positive was came easy to me. Yeah. Yeah. Like you know with you know Kevin Seconds blood type. Hundred percent be positive. Be positive. <laughs> do you have any daily rituals <laughs> That's you do? It's crazy that everybody's <laughs> heard that joke. Yes, <laughs> Everybody yeah, knows positive. that joke. Um. <laughs> What, do you have any daily rituals? Do you work out? You do yoga? Like, what's your day? What's your I day? would love to do yoga. I just don't have a time. Yeah, I never do. What I do do is I get up in the morning, and I ride my bike into work. So it's that's over, awesome. Over the 59th Street Bridge. So I, I go in the winter too, until it gets so cold. Wow. I, am, I am a cold one, but I cannot stand the cold. I, hate this shit I can ride in 105, but I can't ride in 35. Okay. Right. So um, I I go all the way from Astoria all the way up to Long Island City, then over the 59th Street Bridge, and then into the city. Every wow! That I do. I've been doing it for years. That's now, awesome. Once in a while, I'll take the train. Like if I, oh god, I screwed something up. Like I got to ship out three cases of posters. Now I got to like, drive to the UPS joint to ship them out. Now yeah. I can't ride. That keeps you pretty busy though. The Hellgate stuff now, right? Holy cow, man! And that's all you. Total when, DIY when, is all you. That's just me. I love that. That's just me that. in my garage, and it's um when when Rancid is on fire. Yep. Or when F- Brian Fallon is on fire. Mm. Or when um. Uh, Fu Manchu is on fire or now sick of it all like, yeah yeah they keep you busy man that's really cool man keep you busy and where do you print the stuff at in my basement no way yeah oh I thought you designed it sent it to your printers you do it all there no man holy I buy shit the that's ink. so DIY I buy the paper I wow. built the, I built a vacuum table out of the wood from Home Depot holy shit I, man, the that's whole amazing, thing man. is d- done in my I do it wow that's yeah. the epitome of DIY well, it's fucking amazing. Yeah, if I well, I wish I could rent a place to do it and not do it in my garage. But if I did, then 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 it wouldn't be able to afford itself. Yeah, you know, so it doesn't make much money, but it is a blast. I love doing yeah, it. Yeah, you love doing it. It's like a passion. And in the beginning, like... in the beginning, I used to go to the gig and sit at the merch table. 
Yeah. I used to sell them for the band. I remember that. Yes, I do. That, that was, and I got to give a shout out to Jake because he's the one who hooked me up, man. I Jake rocks off. We love yeah, you, man. Yeah, he still used to hook me up so much, man. I used, I used to just call him up and say, can you get me this guy's number? Can you get hooked it up? And he would hook up the poster. The very first, no, the first one was Sam I Am. I did the Sam I Am poster and I called those guys up, right? And I said, listen, you're coming to New York. Do you mind if I do a poster? Like, and, and, and it happens all around the I'm country. I'm the New York guy. But it didn't happen in New York. Okay. No one did posters. We, we were nah. a flyer country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With Xerox, right? In the yeah. 80s. But no one did posters. So I said, do you mind if I do one here? And the guy said, well, his answer was, I got no one to sell shirts. I said, I'll sell them. Mm. Said, oh, if you sell me, you can do whatever you want. So I made 20 of them. It took me, I made 60 and got 20 good ones. I had no, <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea what to sell them for. So I was selling them for 10 bucks. And I, I, I didn't want to sign them because I felt that was pretentious. Like, who am I to sign them? Mm-hmm. So the kid that was selling shirts for the band next to me, the band was called Model Home. Okay. And he was saying, or she was saying, it was girls selling the shirts, I think. And she was saying, you're not selling these for enough. I, th- I think I am. But the, Band hasn't played and you're almost sold out. I only had twenty. Damn. And and it's still sound check and they're going right. Yeah. So I said, well, I, I don't know how much selling for. And then right at this moment, some girl comes up and says, um, well, she she was hearing the conversation. She goes, my boyfriend just gave me fifty bucks and said that should get you two. Oh shit. So I said, all right, well, twenty bucks. Yeah, man. And it's, that's how I set the t- price for the average everyday person. Yeah, Unless that's it's a, a real tough one to do, then I get it. Yeah, that's a normal price. That's that's a really good price. Right, twenty bucks. And then and then the second poster I did. Was with sick of it all, okay, right? And I and and Armand said to me, he laid out my business plan. He said, "You do this yourself. You do this. I can't do the Armand voice like like, <laughs> like everybody else can. I can't. Um, you do this yourself. Yeah. You design it. Yeah. You buy the paper. Yeah. You buy the ink. Yeah. You deserve half. Totally. <laughs> That's what he did. I agree. So from that point on, what I do is I I print the posters. I give the band half, and I keep half. That's so, smart, man. Yeah. And the posters are great too, and people love limited stuff. People like collecting stuff. You sign them now, right? With the name at the bottom, or no? Now I sign and number them because people flip out. They, they love they, being numbered. They love. They want. Numbered. They want to know the number. Yeah. So they want to know which one I got, and people send me emails. Can you please send me the? But I, I don't know. What I number? I roll it and I put, put it in a tube, and out it goes. You know, limited, I, limited for a hundred or something, or no? They're always limited. Okay. So it's it's. I try to gauge it. Like if it's if it's rancid, there's like almost no limit, <laughs> you know. But yeah, they man. just they they they're powerful band powerful you band. know and um we're um, a fan too rancid yeah. holy cow one of my favorite i'm gonna bands. go on record saying i think that that album Alcum Alcum the Wolves. is one of the top 10 punk rock records ever agreed and They're i'm going top back five. i'm going back to the ramones clash dead boys rancid i agree 100 percent. i've said all, all right, the time my go. top five there you go records it's a perfect album front to back man and i'm gonna go perfect album and i'm gonna go on record to say that machete is one of the top 10 hardcore songs of all time. Mm-hmm. That's me. Okay. Sick of it all's machete. It's okay. such a brutal tune. Okay. The way it's constructed, it's got three distinct parts. Yeah. And the way it slows down at the end. I wrote a song about that song. Oh, I was shit. in traffic once on the 59th Street Bridge. And I was like, not 59th, it was Williamsburg. And I was so pissed off. Just move, just move. And that song was on. I was like, getting me angrier and angrier. It's like, this is actually dangerous. It's yeah. pissing. It's, I'm going to kill somebody. Damn. That was such a great tune. You're not even a violent person either. No. Nah. get rage, road rage. Nah, I don't get no road rage. I put Everything Sucks in one of my tops too. Descendants, Everything Sucks. I'm glad to hear you say that. Because a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people will say, nah, the early stuff was better. I think that, that, that Everything Sucks is Really, it's the craziest the comeback album. record ever in the history of punk. Yeah, just, yeah, it's 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 an incredible record. 
the melody, and you think everything. You'd, you'd always think that in the the genre of punk rock, the first stuff is the best stuff. Not so. I mean, I love I love all the records, but yeah, that record in particular is like everything sucks. Yeah, that's, dude, that's, it's yeah, it's the melody. Just everything about that is pure. I don't know, man. That that one, that one in Rancid are definitely in my top. Totally. What about hip hop? Totally. You ever like hip hop stuff? Um, Tim tried to get me into like the early stuff, like Run DMC and, and, and LL Cool J and stuff yeah. like that. It just didn't work for me because no one's playing the guitar, <laughs> no, no one is singing except the Aerosmith one with uh, Run DMC. Oh, Run DMC, yeah. But, yeah. but even that, man. So never hip hop for you, huh? Wow. And then hip hop was never my bag. What about pop music? Like Graffiti Coldplay? Was. Like Coldplay? No. <laughs> no, man, that's not my. Bag. Yo, people listen and love this because they know it's my favorite band. <laughs> that's not my bag, no. <laughs> Coldplay? No. I love them so much, no, man. man. What about you, too? I grew up at a time if... <laughs> now, this is, this is something that... You got to talk to the older dudes. If it was on the radio, it was not allowed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. it was above the line. It wasn't so, underground. Yeah. It was... it was. That's a stupid way to think because the Clash was on the radio all the time. But but um, it just was the way... the way that I, I don't know. This is the way that I was. So it's no like, you too. I mean, I could appreciate you too, but, you know, it's not my bad. Stones? You know, wow, Black if, if, if you're going to go into the world of British rock, mm. Stones don't for me get close to Sabbath or Zeppelin yeah. or Queen or I mean, go down the line. No, Every Oasis, going. Oasis, I liked for a little while yeah. because I saw the behind the music. Mm, I've seen that too, I, that was pretty cool. Those guys are pretty cool. <laughs> um, but again, like, a, like, a, you know, I don't own a record or anything, yeah, nah, it's, it's not my bag. I like this game. Keep going, give me another uh, Um. Madonna? I don't know anything. Madonna to me is like, is the one from Queen. It's like the one from Queens. What was her name? Um, I don't know. Yeah, the one with Queens. the really thick Queens accent. Cindy Lauper? Girls just want to have fun. Yeah. Same Dude, Cindy Lauper's amazing, no? Yeah, I know. She's a great singer, but that's not my bag, you know? Yeah. I'm like, I, I, you know what? You can guess what my favorite Dave Vision song is. My favorite Vision song is. Vision? Yeah. What is it? Close mine. Close mine. <laughs> if it ain't punk, if it if it doesn't have like a certain underground element to it, if it doesn't have Respect. that sort of thing, I, I it just doesn't work for I, I don't know. And your whole entire life, meeting your fifties now, it's the same way. Same thing. Yeah. Wow. Same thing, man. Like um, I've always been that way. Always. Like that. Like I told you. Like I I would never drink a beer until someone tells me this guy made it that that I know, and I'm like, well, something yeah. that interests me. You know what I mean? Like yeah. um, you know, like like if. If if I find out that that a poster I bought or, or a poster I saw is really cool, isn't a silk screen? I don't want it. Mm, I don't want yeah. a poster that came out of a computer. Because you know how it's been made. Because you yeah, do it. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's got to be real. It's got to be real. Yeah. You know what I mean, like Queen on one of their albums, it says Queen has never used synthesizers to this point. I was wow. Like, that was the coolest thing in the world. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like, play instruments. Do it as cool as you can. Do crazy things. But but come on, keep it real. Yeah. So yep. what would be what, all right? So I gotta go on stage in twenty minutes. But what would be um, your perspective now and everything you've been through as a musician, everything in the scene, and you've been even powerful impact of the hardcore history of New York that's expanded worldwide. You've yep. been influenced so many people with all the music you've been involved in. Looking back on it now, how, how do you see? Hmm, it's a hard question to say. What do you think of hardcore now? Because are you listening to new things, new bands? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, like I said, hardcore now can get really, really proficient, really, yeah. without being metal. Yeah. There's a band um, that I never did anything for them yet, but I want to. It's a band called Pears. I heard about. I heard their name. 
God. We play How? with them in Europe. They're awesome. That's right. How Paris. do you get that good? Okay, Paris, you're right. I mean, you don't even have to like them, but you cannot say they're not good. Are they from Virginia? Holy cow. I think they're from... No, no, no. Yeah, Virginia, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, we play with them in Europe. They're awesome. Maybe. I've heard of Paris. No, no, I think... From, I don't remember where they're from. Okay. Sorry. I want to say... So um, that's a new one you're listening to. Maybe. maybe? I don't okay. know. But yeah, I listen to them. Those guys are great, man. I listened to the Bronx for a long time. Yeah. Like, to be that good. Like, the Bronx, man, they're good. They're mm-hmm. just really good. Um, I'm kind of into these new guys, this new thing on Roadrunner. Um, uh, Turnstile. Fucking love Turnstile. Yeah, man. Love, they're, you ever seen live? No, I haven't. Fucking amazing live. So much positive energy. Great kids. I like, I like all the, me- I like the melodies. I like all the different influences they infuse together. Mm-hmm. 100% back then. Yeah. Love them. And they're killing it. They're killing they're, it. Yeah, they're killing it. Yeah, yeah. man. They're doing really yeah, well. And they, 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 they record in an interesting way. Right, mm. so, so it's like a lot of reverbs okay. and a lot of empty yeah, spots. It's, it reminds me of like the early leeway. They'll, they'll, they'll play a they'll play a riff and then stop. I think they'd appreciate that. And then go back into another riff and then stop. Yeah, like it's a, take a pause and then and it just sets up this go. You know, like yeah. It's, they they, Have they you seen, you seen any of their videos? No, you should check out some videos from their albums. They're really interesting, cool videos. All right, yeah, yeah. Right. I, I backed them. That's a, that's that's the one. Adam loves them too. Like. If you see them live, it's just such a good vibe, man. It's yeah. really yeah. I want I want to see them live. Yeah, they're great. They're doing really well. Yeah, they're good. Um, fuck, we covered a lot of shit. Man. Let me see all my notes in here. You got notes? No, I mean I gotta have, I have to have all my notes, man. Hang out, man. Yeah, man, we did a lot. We talked for an hour and thirty-four minutes. You kidding? But we usually do in these podcasts, especially with this one, because I play in twenty minutes. But I'll go home and listen to it, then I'll think of other things that maybe we missed or not. Maybe I even send it to you. I like to get on the phone later and do like a phone call at the end. Yeah, give me a call. I've done that with everybody. Like, hey, one more thing. Like, I'm doing that Milo next week. Just because it's hard when we get in the mode. I don't like to ask questions like, hey, the next question. I like to ask you something and you flow. And that's how this this podcast goes. We're just talking. You know, we're talking stories and like, you have great stories. I'm sure you missed some stories. But like, Rob and Brian said, get ready. Aaron's got stories. I mean, they you, you did? Get, yeah, man. They you hear did. a lot of stories. You I'm forgetting for a lot a of time. them, man. They got to come up, you know? Yeah, I, I got a lot of stories. But but they got to come up. You can't just, like, spit them out. Like yeah. that Rollins one that came up. Yeah. You know? I'm sure you think of some more you might have missed. I, I hate to mention other people's names because I'm afraid that they're going to go, I don't remember that. There's no but way. I do. Well, first of all, Rollins is not listening to this podcast <laughs> <laughs> as much as I want him to. Um, so, Rollins, if any of your friends are listening, yes, I'd love to have you on the podcast, but... I'm sure he's not going to remember that story, but you remember. You have a good memory of that, so that's like. Yeah, I remember that. And I remember Ian with the long curly hair. Yeah, the long curly hair then too was like. Yeah, yeah, he was he was there and um. One thing I didn't know about you is that you didn't try anything your whole life until you're 30. That's amazing. They're like you impacted at a young age by minor threat and all that. It's pretty awesome. Holy cow! That that set that set the tone of my life. Did you like Sex Pistols album? Oh my god, totally! But you see, that's that. I love that Sex Pistols album. Yeah. All, all Sex Pistols stuff. Yeah. But that album, the way it's recorded, is magical to me. That, yeah. that That recording, that guitar sound is out of this world. How the hell do they do that? That's what I want to get on my next record. I want something along that line. Yeah, it's a perfect, that, that's a perfect yeah. record too. But Sex Pistols were never the Ramones to me. No. You know? I didn't and know what Abolix was. To be honest, was neither was The Clash. Mm-hmm. You know, neither were The Clash. The Ramones were kings. Well, they were from me. your. T- they were from here. They were from. And I heard it first. Yeah. You know, and that was something that 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 I heard when I was still in grammar school. You know. Yeah. A long time ago, and um, yeah, I I never went like most guys I know now. They they discovered the Chromags after being into whatever mm. whatever they were into Iron Maiden or whatever yeah. the metal stuff. I don't know any of that either. Yeah. Right. Um, I never went through that phase. Yeah. I don't know any Iron Maiden. 
Neither do I. Or, or, or I met King Diamond. Wow. But that's only because it was on Roadrunner. Merciful Fate, yeah. Yeah, and I used to, I, Merciful Fate, they had that, when he sings real high-pitched, and yeah. I painted that jacket a million times. Like yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That, that thing, um, it, that's another thing I used to do when I was a kid. You painted those jean jackets. Yeah. The Tokenichi ones and the jacks. Back in the graffiti days, back in the graffiti days, there was, there's still a place on Steinway Street in a story called Yogi Lala. Okay. And they used to have Kane One, and, and I think Pink did it, a big graffiti names who used to go there and used to order a jacket give them the jean jacket give them an album cover whatever you want and they would paint it wow and that was a big deal when I was a kid yeah and this is going back going back a while yeah. man and I I did that for years man I did the Jax jackets for the skateboard guys yeah I did, I did um I did a, a Black Train Jack one a token entry one yeah that I gave to um to one of the guys in verbal abuse for hooking us up. Oh, it was it, a New York Dolls one. I remember you guys wore those in DC when I saw the show. You had the yeah. jean jackets on the cutoffs. Yeah, that was years. That was ago. such a cool thing. Nobody was doing that back no then. No one does. Really. No one does it now. Yeah. No one does it now. Well, breakdancers did that, but not in the punk scene. It wasn't really yeah. like that. You know what I mean? No. Like, yeah. The breakdancers. What did kind that? of paint did you use on the jean jackets that didn't chip off? Straight acrylic. Okay. The acrylic with a gesso base. Yeah. Yeah. I remember seeing those jackets. It was so fucking amazing. How long did it take to make it? How long it custom? A couple days. Yeah. Not a big deal. Yeah, like I would still do painted. that. Now they call them battle jackets. They're a metal mm. thing. They're a metal thing now. Okay. You know, they have these battle jackets. They cut off the sleeves. They put patches all over and get the back painted. Yeah, my, son's, my son is one of those, I think. He's a metal guy? <sighs> he likes Slipknot. He likes a lot of um, the new rap. He likes a lot of death metal. He likes his own things, you know? See, my, my, <laughs> kid, my kid, it's strange. My kid could care less about music. Yeah. He listens to it. But it's he's listening to the Ramones or the Descendants or whatever I have. Oh yeah, you know, or, or he's all listening or, shit on or, his own. But he's but he's yeah, but he's heavily into basketball. Okay, so Respect. that what that brings is a lot of like like a hip hop. Yeah, 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 he's really into Drake and that sort of thing. Travis Scott probably too. Yeah, That's Travis a Scott one. and all that stuff. Yeah, Do you listen to it too and check it out? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it's not my bag, man. I know, I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? But so they're talented world. though, for sure. They're talented for sure. Yeah. It's like a, I'm, I'm gonna send you a link. There's a Travis Scott documentary right now. I watched the other day with my son. It's on Netflix. It's like this big deal. It tells this whole story, and I watched those story, and I still didn't get it. But I'm not supposed to get it. My <laughs> yeah, son's right? supposed to get it. The other one is Kendrick. Um, yeah, his videos are pretty intense. Kendrick is amazing lyricist. He's really smart. He gives back to the community. Yeah, I fucking love Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, he's legit. Like he's like a real one. He's an amazing, talented artist. He's not all over social media. He's off the grid. He just writes his records and puts them out. I love yeah. that. But am I going to put it on on the way home? I don't know. No. I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I'm gonna, we're going to end it. But listen, this is part one for sure because I could talk to Ernie for hours and there's still more I want to talk to him about. But we did this. This is pretty good. This is hour and 40 minutes. But I want to thank you because you had an impact on my life when I first met you, when I first moved to New York. I was pen pals at Timmy Chunks because yeah. of your band. I had no idea you did this pen pal thing with him and Brian. Yeah, man. Then I ended up moving to Queens with him and that like I moved all by myself. I was the first kid. I was the youngest out of three to leave and go to a different state. Even before my older brothers moved to New York, lived with Timmy Chunks for a couple months. It's like, sorry, man. The landlord says you can't live anymore. And then I became like a couch surfer all through Queens. And like, I remember going to Walter. I think Walter and Siv and maybe Gus had an apartment. Yeah. Right under the, the, the Hellgate, not the Hellgate, the, the Brooklyn Queens Expressway. Yeah. And you were sleeping in, the, in like a corner on a pillow. No, I was in a fucking closet, man. <laughs> in a closet. closet. That's what it was, a closet <laughs> on a pillow. That was it, man. I was a closet master, man. <laughs> but, uh, well, thank you for everything you contributed you to music it, and part of my life. But this is a part one for sure, because I know this motherfucker is going to be coming home thinking, I forgot that, I forgot this, I forgot that. <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing, but I appreciate you coming out. I know you have... On a work night, you're a dad, and you came all the way to Long Island. I really appreciate Ernie for being a part of this. 
Thank um, you. I'm psyched for people to hear Much this. Much appreciated. And, and, all, and everything you've done, you're an amazing songwriter. You continue to write songs. I'm excited to hear what you have coming next. Excellent. And um, awesome. Thank you, Ernie. You got it. That man. was fucking awesome. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. Um, please rate, review, uh, subscribe. If you haven't subscribed yet to this podcast, please do that. And whatever platform you are listening to this on, I'm glad you found me. You can rate me and review me on there also. So thank you guys sincerely for the support. I cannot wait for you guys to hear the next one.